Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Gentlemen, welcome to Planet Earth. This is Fermentabout Ferment about it. it, a podcast on all things fermentable. On Heritage Radio Network, we're live every Monday at 7 p.m. I'm Mary Izette. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. If you miss us on Monday nights, because you're not, because you're here, uh, you can always find us archived uh, through iTunes and on heritageradionetwork.org. Yep, so let's see. We'll start with a couple of announcements. So we're going to do another reminder about the Porter Restore Benefit um, which is our friend Sean Torres' um, project. It's Porter Restore is an event intended to benefit Staten Island University Hospital employees affected by Hurricane Sandy. All proceeds from the ticket sales will be donated to the SIUH Employee Benefit Fund. It's on December 23rd, 2012 at 120 Bay Street in, on Staten Island. Chris and I will actually be brewing a beer for that event. Uh, there's going to be at least... Um, 15 homebrewers, 20-plus homebrewers. We'll maybe try to bring some special fermented stuff that we've been experimenting with at home as well. Uh, The other Hurricane Sandy Relief fundraiser that's going on tomorrow night, actually at the Brooklyn Brewery from 7 to 10 p.m., is put on by the New York City Brewers Guild. And um, it's basically 16 brewers. There are tickets left online. Oh, and uh, it's $40. So you'll get a commemorative glass, and you're going to get unlimited beer tastings from 16 breweries. And so, 100% of all proceeds in that of, of your money goes straight to uh, Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, that's actually going to go to Rockaway Surf Club, Red Hook Initiative, and Coney Recovers um, to benefit local Hurricane Sandy relief efforts. We're going to put all the links um, to these guys on our website either later tonight or tomorrow. It's fermentaboutit.com just like the name of our show. Uh, but Porter Restore is porterrestore.com. And then the Hurricane Sandy Relief Fundraiser at the Brooklyn Brewery is tickets are available at drinkforgood.eventbrite.com. And I'm sure they'll be available at the door if they have not sold out. That should Both should be excellent events. Absolutely. All right. So today <laughs> we're back to beer. Um, we're trying to, to do homebrew. So we're, we talk about all things fermentable, but of course Chris and I have a, a special love for, for beer and homebrewing. That's how we met. Uh, that's our that's our main fermentation. Absolutely, <laughs> gallons and every every otherwise. So tonight it's we're excited to uh, talk. Beer, to- beer is the lubrication of social intercourse, <laughs> and there's hard <laughs> beating each other was no exception. But today, yes, today we're going to talk about you know we're talking about home brewing and we're talking about you. Know, if you're getting into this, you probably have a beer that you really like, that a commercial beer that you're buying on the shelf, and you probably like, wow, man, I wish I could make this at home. And so today we're going to talk about. Clone Brewing and Brewing. And our special guest is Tim Stendhal. So, Tim, introduce yourself, please. So glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. Um, so my name is Tim Stendhal. I am uh, I'm a longtime homebrewer. I actually used to work for a homebrew, um, a homebrew shop in Minnesota called Northern Brewer. It's be, since become a pretty significant online presence. We love Northern Brewer. <laughs> yep. 
they're they're a great shop. They're amazing. Yeah, all, really good. People. All things considered, my affiliation aside, it's it's a it's a great shop. Strong supporters of the Brewing Network com too, which is a, a fantastic resource for anybody homebrew. Nice. Um, so uh, I graduated from a small school in the Midwest called McAllister College, uh, and McAllister tends to put out some people who like beer a lot. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's pretty remarkable, and not just beer, but wine and spirits. But particularly in the in the beer world, in the homebrew world, uh, McAllister put out some some big people. Um, Omar Ansari from Surly, uh, yeah. he owns Surly. He he graduated from McAllister. Uh, Chris Farley, who uh, started uh, started Northern Brewery, he graduated from McAllister. Uh, Ele- the Element Brewer, um, he graduated from McAllister College. So uh, and, and then pretty much everybody who uh, worked at Northern Brewer um, when I lived in Minnesota went to McAllister College. Your reunions must be awesome. <laughs> it's <laughs> <Pretty> ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I got into home brewing about my junior year of college when I was, uh, I was a cross-country runner, and I would just buy all these different pale ales and IPAs and interesting beers that I'd never heard of, and I would crack them after these 14, 15-mile brutal summer runs. <laughs> and nothing was more satisfying than a pale ale after a 15-mile run in 92-degree heat. So... <clears throat> I got more interested. I started learning learn how to brew, and I extract brewed for years and years and years. And then I got a job with Northern Brewer, um, and I learned so much. The guys that work there are incredibly knowledgeable. They know so much. Um, one of the guys that was affiliated with Northern Brewer just started uh, another brewery in Minnesota called uh, Poor Decisions. A guy named Chris <laughs> England, one of the most knowledgeable people about beer I've ever met in my entire life. Oh, yeah, Chris um, England. We know yeah. Chris England. Yeah, Chris England. Chris great, is great guy. He's a surly, surly guy. He, he will... <laughs> He won't. He won't give you a straight answer about anything. But he's hilarious. Um, but uh, a lot of really good minds in in home brewing came out of there. Um, when I left Minnesota to start working for uh, Union Beer, which is the company that I currently work for, um, you guys distribute Wandering Star Brewing Company. Don't we you? do. Oh, we certainly do. Well, uh, <laughs> like I, I said, we we distribute the the best beers in the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Wandering Star certainly belongs in that in that. The group. best beers in the world and Wandering Star too. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so that's how I got into homebrewing, um, and it's led me along a really uh, a, a tremendous path of of learning how to brew and, and being affiliated with wonderful breweries and uh, and learning some um, some interesting stuff along the way. So you have been, uh, I guess you helped start a project at uh, one of our local homebrew stores called Bitter and Esters. They're also the only brew on premise store in all of New York City, maybe all of New York State. I'm not sure if there's I th- another I think one. it might be all New York State. There might be one upstate, but uh, I know it's the only one within the New York City. Yeah, tri-state uh, area. Yeah. Like, tri-state area. Yeah. Is that a tri- And they're tri- actually in, Wa- in Prospect Heights mm-hmm. uh, neighborhood of Brooklyn, in case you haven't been out there and you, you live in the tri-state area. It's a great store. So a brew on premise is where you can go home brew, but at the store. So you don't have to take a... You don't have to take up your home space. You don't have to ferment mm-hmm. your home space. You don't have to have any of the equipment. You've got people to guide you through and help you homebrew. So if you're kind of timid and, and you live in the area, please talk to John and Doug down at Bitter Nesters and maybe join Tim on one of this project, which is? Uh, it's, a, <laughs> what, with the, it's, a, it's a clone brew project, basically. Right. What's it called? It's called Brew Like a Pro, or as we lovingly call it, Blap. Blap. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> And so how did this whole project start, I guess? And how did you get involved? What's the inspiration? Well, I had the idea when I first moved to New York, and I, I saw the, the incredible portfolio that we were working with. Um, as, as a union beer rep. As a union beer rep, correct. Um, they distribute Wandering Star. And they distribute Wandering Star, which, world class. Enough, enough. <laughs> 
So, um, so I had this idea, and Union Beer was was totally on board with um, with with a, with a home brewing club at Union Beer, but um, it never really got off the ground. So, um, fast forward two and a half years, I'm living in Prospect Heights. I get two or three emails from some friends and say, "Hey, is this you?" And they they post a link to a Gothamist post that says homebrew shop brew on premise site to open in prospect heights i lived at 663 washington they live at 700 washington nice. or they they open at 700 washington it's awesome. literally across the street so um as douglas doug amport who is one of the owners doug doug amport and john lapola they uh, they own the shop and have been awesome awesome guys with uh, with accommodating this and like we've really become partners in this whole in this whole project doug is awesome he yeah. almost joined us tonight but uh, he's actually home babysitting yeah <laughs> so sorry um, for the late notice doug i know you're listening Thanks so i uh uh i approached douglas when as he was sanding the floors of bitter nesters before they opened because uh, i'd heard about it and he said he said oh that sounds like a great idea uh, so we, uh, so I started coming up with the idea and formulating the first six months of the Brew Like a Pro series, Blap series, um, and Blap, Blap. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so I was really I was really surprised with how many breweries were so open to uh, giving us their recipes and um, giving us the information that they have about the recipes, including like really specific information, yeah. uh, mash temperature, ingredients, hop schedule. Um, fermentation length, uh, really detailed information. They're very, very open. Um, so I kept reaching out to more and more breweries, and everyone was really on board with this because most of these brewers started out as home brewers, and it evolved into something more and something more, and, and now the craft beer scene is what it is, and they've become these really uh, uh, smart business people as well as you know, home brewers, people who really enjoy the scene of home brewing and craft beer and yeah. sharing information. Um, you see all these collaborative beers uh, starting mm-hmm. between you know, all these different breweries, and that's a testament to how much all of these brewers are willing to share their skills and share their knowledge um, yeah. to just advance the scene and advance the knowledge. It's all about experimentation. It's about sharing. It's like, a, it's, it's like, a, it's like the open source... Um, it's also a testament, I think, to to the skill of brewing. I mean, you can have a recipe, and no brewer will. Or well, I mean, it's very hard for brewers to really replicate that. And I think we're gonna we'd like to talk a lot about oh, that yeah. and how yeah. you do with that. I mean, you could have all the ingredients. You could do everything exactly, you know, uh, specific. Use all the specific ingredients, but there's so many variables in how you in how you make a beer that it's hard to recreate. It really is. That's that's kind of the epicenter of of this whole project. Um, it's not necessarily to recreate the beer specifically or, or, or so precisely that it's indiscernible right. because there's so many factors that go mm-hmm. into making a clone beer or making a beer that you are trying to replicate. Um, everything from the base malt that you use, if you use RAR or uh, Maris Otter, Maris Otter or uh, Brees or whatever base malt you use, that's going to change. It's like uh, the way that I teach these classes when I uh, when I talk to people about base malt, I say, okay, well, Sierra Nevada has a pale ale, Oscar Blues has a pale ale, um, Victory Head Victory has a pale ale. Their headwaters, um, all these beers are pale ales. They're called pale ales, but just because they're called pale ales doesn't mean they're going to be the exact same beer. So, Brees, Rar, Maris Otter, they're all called base malt, but they're not all going to lend the same attributes to a beer. So, what we try and show people, and we always use Brees base malt. 
uh, at Bitter Nesters. So what I what I try and tell people is that even though you use a base malt or a two row or a six row, it doesn't mean it's going to be the exact same because every maltster um, has a different process for making their malt, and it's going to lend a different flavor profile. Um, They're saying so, with different malt, different barley, different exactly. temperatures, probably different and, timing as far as germination. And that's that's assuming that you had the exact same efficiency at but at both brew houses. I right. Mean, efficiency right, right. being, Absolutely. being Absolutely. how much fermentable sugar you're actually getting from this base malt. And you'll get different uh, variables on that based on the scale of which you brew this. And on top of that, there's there's the water content, the the mineral content in the water. There's the aggre- aggressiveness of the boil. Uh, the length of the boil, which we typically get from the brewery, but there are so many factors that go into it that it's it's nearly impossible to to recreate all the conditions necessary to make a clone beer that's going to taste exactly the same. So when I when I talk to the the people that that take these classes that sit in on these classes, um, I I don't say that we're trying to make the exact same beer. I try to explain that we're uh, we're making a bitter nesters version of smutty nose ipa of victory prima pills of excuse me uh ballast point victory at sea uh and it might be very similar it might be very very different like with the when flying dog they sent us their yeast which is yeast is so closely guarded by breweries but uh matt brophy the brewer for the, the head brewer the brewmaster for flying dog he sent me two giant vials of of their yeast for their uh, flying dog raging bleep. Yes. Dot org. I think we're allowed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, which I, I was blown away that he was, that he sent, he overnighted them to me so that it would be That's as fresh amazing. as possible. Um, and the beer that we made turned out to be very, very different from the original batch. Or when uh, Greg Dorsky from Greenport Harbor came and uh, brewed the citrus IPA with us, uh, it was completely different, and the brewer was there. And yeah. it, every it, we hit our temperatures, we we did all the additions at the at the proper times, but everything was very different. And that's that's the uh, that's what I'm trying to convey to students is that even though we don't necessarily make the same exact beer, it's a testament to the breweries and how consistent they are in making those beers mm-hmm. um, on such a large scale. You know, we make 15 gallon batches, 20 gallon batches at the most. And at bitter nesters, at bitter nesters, mm-hmm. right? But these, but you know, Sierra Nevada, uh, Greenport Harbor, kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of size and scale. They're very consistent with the product this, products that they brew, and that is the true skill. That is the true craft yeah. in craft beer. Is that even though you have all these different ingredients and uh, and, and you're, you have so many different components to a, to a beer. Uh, to make consistently yeah. they're still making that same exact beer i always say it's really easy to make a beer it's harder to make a good beer it's really hard to make that beer again and with that we're going to take a really quick break and we'll be back on ferment about it on heritageradionet.org you're listening to i get pretty upset by space disease on the Heritage Radio Network.org.
first ranch grass-fed beef pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef free-range, sustainably produced humane Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef the authentic flavor of the American West Welcome back to Ferment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Isaac. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're speaking with Tim, Sten- Tim Stendhal uh, today, and we're talking about clone brews. And specifically, we're sp- talking about a cool program that uh, a, one of the local Brooklyn homebrew shops called Bitter and Esters does called Brew Like a Pro. And let's talk a little bit about the background. So basically, uh, people sign up to take, it's a class, given mm-hmm. as a class. You contact the brewers, you get the recipe, you try to, you know, Imitate the recipe, I guess. I know you guys are, you're not going for the exact re- exact product. And then the cool thing is, so everybody learns how to brew and then also how to brew this beer. And the cool thing is then you serve it. We do, yeah. So, so talk uh, about that because I think this is actually a really unique program. So the way the way this, uh, this class works is um, I get the recipes from the breweries. We make a 15 or we make two 15-gallon batches because there are two classes for each brew. And we put these, uh, we put these on tap. Um, at two places around the city, uh, we always do one at the local uh, at the local craft beer place called Washington Commons, which is also in Prospect Heights. It, it is, yeah. It's the, it's a local uh, craft beer uh, craft yeah, beer great bar. Place. It's a great spot. It has an it has a back patio. It has a really cool feel to the bar. So, uh, and, and the owner is a, a really good guy, and he's mm-hmm. he's been very accommodating. Uh, but we get a, a jockey box, which is kind of a separate uh, separate pouring unit for kegs, and the customers come and buy a, a pint or a, a glass of the commercial beer, and then when they buy that glass, they get a ticket for the homebrew version. So and they get to compare them side by side. So they get to compare them side by side, and you can see the similarities, the differences. And again, sometimes it comes out it comes out very very good, and sometimes it comes out you know not quite as good. But I've never had a beer come out where uh, where I was like, wow, this is. This is not that good. It's just different. Not it's just different. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and sometimes it comes out phenomenally well. Phenomenally well. Do they uh, ever? You know, do they ever surpass the? Uh, you know, the, I never like to thing? say that they <laughs> surpass. <laughs> That's uh, a trick question. Well, it is a trick question. It's not fair. You know, there are two kinds of beer. Uh, the, the you like also have like. to keep in mind that these beers are so incredibly fresh, oh, whereas yeah. the beers that are coming from that go through the three tiered system sure. and then end up you know that maybe they sit in the basement for a little while um they're you don't know how old they are when you're pouring them um so like with the flying dog beer we had a f- super fast turnaround on that uh we brewed it on uh june 9th and we served it on june 21st wow that's no no that's no, I took the, no it was june 26th but we had so. to cold crash it for two days and dry hop it for ten days. So it was just it wow. was crazy fast. It was Doug and John fermented yeah. it that morning, and well, that, I mean that fresh brewer's yeast. Man. Exactly. Yeah. No, it was amazing. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. But Douglas and John ferment or uh, carbonated it that morning. Jim Caruso, the owner of Flying Dog, owner and CEO of Flying Dog, Great was guy. at the release party, and he is. For those of you who have never met Jim Caruso, seek him out. (laughs) He is one of the most inspiring and fun people to hang out with. And he's just so positive and energetic. Tim, this is a great beer. 
I'm really impressed. You did a great job. I feel like and, he should be selling juicers and, and like <laughs> ShamWow. Yeah, I mean, Tony Horton, step aside. This guy is, is the <laughs> most inspiring person I've ever met in my entire life. Exactly. Um, so to hear that come from the owners and the CEOs and the brewers, uh, it's 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 uh, it's really nice to get that kind of uh, that kind of feedback. Um, if it were really really bad, I'd be very embarrassed. <laughs> right, but that's part of it. I mean, that's homebrew. I've made I've made some really really bad beer, um, some real stinkers. But I've also made some some phenomenal stuff that I'm really proud of. Yeah. And a lot of these clone beers fall into that category of just uh, stuff that I, I'm very proud of. But again, it's not my recipes. These are recipes that are sent to me by people who've been doing this right. for years and years and years. When I first started homebrewing in 2001, one of my first books I got at, uh, outside of uh, the Homebrewer's Handbook uh, by David Miller was actually Clone Brews by mm-hmm. Tess and Mark uh, Simultuski. And I would, I'd be remiss not to mention that because they have a bunch of really great recipes in there. And I think one of the great things about clone brewing um, and doing that, I mean, yeah, you want, you want to be making your own recipes and that's part of the fun, but you can learn so much from these other recipes mm-hmm. about what happens mm-hmm. and what kind of qualities and characters you're getting and how, by how other people do it. And it's a good way, I think, to learn your brewing system because if you take a recipe from Clone Brews or Zymergy Magazine, the July-August issue every year has a lot of clone recipes. I was actually, I know that um, Vinny from Russian River actually sent in his Pliny the Elder recipe in July-August of 2010, which is amazing that a you know pro brewer would publish his recipe for home brewers. But they ha- Zymergy Magazine always has great recipes. There's a lot of good recipes online. Um, our, but I think it helps you learn your... Jamil Zanishev has oh, a yeah. show called, uh, you know, Can You Brew It? and, and uh, Where he gets challenged uh, often on com- brewing commercial brews yep. on the brewingnetwork.com. And it's a good way to learn your brewing system, too, I think. Because if you take... A, if you There's a commercial beer that, that you really love and you get a clone brew recipe... Um, for it, then, you know, by working with that recipe, it's a good way to really tweak your brewing system to get to know the certain ingredients um, and and how they work in your brewing system. So everybody's efficiency is different. I mean, we've talked about the difference in malts and water, but also hops are different. I mean, alpha acids range from year to year um, and other characteristics. Um, efficiency, obviously, like we mm-hmm. talked about. Boil, Tim mentioned before. All these things are different factors. And of course, fermentation. I mean, your your fermentation vessel shape is important. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the square feet. I mean, there's so many variables in fermentation alone, the, the exact temperatures, that all of these things make a difference. So I think clone beers, I've, I actually have never been one of the, I never have been interested in making clone beers, but I think that it's a very interesting exercise in brewing. And it's a great way Especially if there's a beer that you've tasted, um, either you traveled somewhere and had it or somebody brought it back for you. There's a beer that you tasted that you really loved and you cannot get commercially where you live. It's a great way to kind of you know, feed your passion for this beer. Well, it's, it's really been interesting to, to see the variability in the complexity of recipes that professional breweries oh, yeah. send me. So there are some breweries, uh, I've made a lot of IPAs because a lot of breweries flagship beer is an IPA and some of them are very very simple it's base malt a little crystal malt and and uh really good hops and then other ones are incredibly complex like like ballast point sculpin is one of the wackiest hop schedules I've ever <laughs> seen in my entire life I, they also sent me the the victory at sea their uh coffee their vanilla coffee imperial porter oh yeah that's that delicious. was crazy <laughs> uh by the way joe coffee uh, uh amanda uh I can't remember her last name now. Um, the director of coffee for Joe Coffee, uh, she gave me the coffee for the Victory at Sea Vanilla oh, Coffee awesome. Imperial Porter. Yeah. So yeah. it was banging. 
Uh, How many of these have you done with the program so yeah. far? Um, we started in February of 2011. Uh, excuse me, uh, November 2011 with uh, Victory Prima Pills. They sent me the they sent me the malt. They sent me home with six kilos of hops, which was <laughs> way kilo. way more than I needed. Um, and then we did uh, we did Smutty Nose, and let's see, we did November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. So you guys had just had your year anniversary, basically. Yeah, we did, uh, awesome. and we've done we've done one every every month. Uh, we're going to go to one every other month just because it's gotten with two events and uh, a brew day every month. Yeah. It got to be a little, little too much. And, and there was uh, some fatigue, mostly on my part. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so we're moving to one every other month. Um, in uh, the, the December event was postponed until January uh, because of all the holidays and because of the, the storm. Mm-hmm. So uh, the January event is going to be a barrel aging class. It's actually going to be more of a broad uh, barrel aging class, but it's going to be in conjunction with Weyerbacher Brewing Company out of uh, Eastern Pennsylvania. And then uh, February is going to be Bronx Brewery oh, with uh, the guys at the Bronx. Awesome. Chris and Damien. Uh, yeah, Chris, Damien, uh, Sean. Um, we're going to be brewing both their pale ale and their black pale ale. And oh, it's going to f- coincide fantastic. with their launch in Brooklyn. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. 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 Heard it here first, folks. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and there are, are there spots still open for those classes? Uh, there are some spots still open. Um, they've actually been pre-selling the uh, the barrel aging class because there's been a lot of demand for it. Yeah. So uh, it's not even posted on the Bitter Nesters site because there was again some delay because of the storm. But uh, with of the two classes, we allow 15 people per class, and uh, it's uh, I think about it's about half in each class so far. Okay. So um, good, great response to the uh, to the barrel aging class, and then. Um, in April, we're looking for uh, we're looking toward a couple different breweries. Um, I don't want to say anything yet because we haven't nailed anything down. But um, it should be uh, it should be a- another another hop forward <laughs> class. That's awesome, yeah. bitter. And so you can get uh, you can find out more information on this on Bitter Investors website, bitterinvestors.com. And they actually did start an online site just recently, and they have a bunch of really great kits, both. Uh, um, all grain and extract that they'll be launching um, at the beginning of next year. Among them, uh, Wander Star Mild at Heart. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention I worked Shameless for Wander Star? <laughs> <laughs> um, but wow, I'm really excited to have the next. That where's where's the next event? Uh, the next event is going to actually going to be at uh, Mugs Ale House. We're going to we did uh, recently a, an event or a, a brew with Stone. It's the first uh, the first one that I've done that has not been um, with a brewery that I work with specifically. But um, Dennis Flynn from Stone has been, uh, again, very accommodating, uh, great guy. Uh, but we did the Stone Smoked Porter, and we okay. brewed the Stone IPA. So those are bo- go- both going to be on tap on 12-12-12. Uh, nice. It's awesome. gonna. It, it coincides with the uh, Malted Barley Appreciation Society. Uh, ah, perfect. Hey. <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, Christmas party. Yeah, yeah. their Christmas party. I so, don't remember ever going to a Christmas party though. I think I've been to them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the uh, the class with the uh, the barrel aging class with Weyerbacher is going to be uh, the first Saturday in January, which I believe is January fifth. January fifth. I'd have to look that up, but that yeah. sounds right. Yeah. yeah. And again, if you don't, so if, I, if there are spots for the barrel aging, if you don't see it online, feel free to call Bitter and Esters mm-hmm. and ask them about the spots because that sounds like a re- very interesting class. We're going to definitely have a barrel aging show at some point. Absolutely. Chris and I still don't have a barrel. We were just talking about that the other day. We need to go to the Navy Yard and pick one up. 
now that we're domestic partners, I can drive your car and I get my own damn barrel. <laughs> exciting stuff, exciting stuff. Cohabitation is, is a glorious thing. Yes. Yeah. We have a lot of brewing to do together. We're a little behind from the unpacking. Well, what can I say? I've been brewing. <laughs> Just not at home. Yeah. So, uh, so, um, so Weyerbacher is actually going to be sending... One of the representatives, her name is Natalie DeChico. She is she is the reigning Philly beer geek. Uh, so ah, and she's from a, the actual competition, right? from the actual yeah, competition, awesome. right? Uh, and she's also um, one of the uh, she might she's either the president or just a member of the uh, of the Philly Homebrewers Society. But she she's a remarkable remarkable woman. She knows she knows her uh, stuff. Cool. Yeah, I love it. And that's all for us today. Thank yes. you for listening to Foment About It. Foment About It over here. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so yeah, much. We're gonna, Chris will be gone to Hong Kong next week, so I will be That's um, true. by myself. What is the uh, topic next week, Brandon? I don't have a topic oh, yet. Oh, but the it's week after that, It's going to be something though. non-beer fermented. I've got some ideas. Some, but there have been some fun store. stuff. We did and then a, coming in two weeks, we're actually going to be talking about historical styles, um, which is going to be super exciting. And I'll be calling in from Hong Kong. Yep. Be fun stuff. Good night. Thanks right. for listening. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>